Over the last few weeks, we've been walking through the book of Acts. You know, for six weeks, we've been talking about individuals, and maybe not the big-name individuals, kind of uh, part players, secondary players, that have been a part of the supporting cast, if you will, of God's plan, of God's desire to change the world. You know, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, we get a picture of what Jesus did and what he said and how he impacted all of us through the words that he spoke. And then, of course through that ultimate act of love when he gave his life on the cross for each and every one of us, when he died and when he rose again, and we experienced that through the Gospels. And then after the Gospels, we walk into, as we have for the last six weeks, the book of Acts, walking through the the, the embryonic beginnings of, of that church, that New Testament church that began with just a few people there in Jerusalem. And then, just as Jesus commanded, it began to spread. And we talked about how God used individuals to take that message around the world, that he used these people like Barnabas and Stephen, people like Philip and Priscilla and Aquila and others, and and used that to take that message out to a world that desperately needed to hear truth. And the book of Acts is a picture of how God fulfilled his calling, God fulfilled his plan through individuals, the actions of the people who simply said, God, here I am, use me. In the book of Acts, before we jump into Romans today, in the last part of this passage, the last part of this chapter, I want to read these verses to you because Paul is, it tells a story of how he's there in his house and and he's preaching the message of the gospel and continuing to do exactly what he did all of the time. And listen to what took place in verse 25. It says, disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. So the statement is this. Paul spoke a word, and when he was speaking this word, people began to walk out because it offended them, because it uh, spoke to them, and it made them see things within themselves that they desperately needed to see. And listen to what those words are. Paul said this, the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah when he said these words, go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understanding. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous, their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. And Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. You see the picture as Paul was coming to the end of that book of Acts, the end of the the spreading of the gospel to the Gentiles, coming out of Jerusalem and doing what Jesus called them to do. And here in these last few statements, the picture that's given is that Paul is preaching that same exact message sharing that same exact truth. And the people began to walk out and they they were offended. They didn't want to hear it. And then he said those words that were given by that Old Testament prophet. And again, listen to what this statement says. You will always be listening, but never understanding. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. And hey, here's what I want you to know. That is the same statement that can be made of our world today. Man, we're looking for knowledge. We're looking for wisdom. 
Books have been written. Studies have been done. Science is constantly looking for how in the world did we get here. They're still trying to find, you know, 80 million year old rocks. And they're trying to find little, you know, small little fish that are kind of impressed in the rocks. Some in, in some riverbed somewhere to prove, oh yes, the world, it must have simply evolved. Yes, absolutely. What must have all come from that amoeba and then to that, you know, that, that, that fish and then from that fish, the fish grew legs and, and then it, it came out of the water and it began to walk and all of a sudden, hey, here we are, people. They're looking for all of these things and while they might be looking, they will never understand. And while they might be listening and looking, they will never perceive. Why? Because they're not looking for truth. They're looking to make their case. So Paul said, that's the problem we've got. That's the problem with you, he said. And so out of that statement, Paul continued to do what Paul was called to do. Continuing to take that message that desperately needed to be taken. And so while the book of Acts was the picture of of the beginnings of the church, when we move now into the rest of the New Testament for the, the rest of this year, we begin to move into this idea where the writers through the Holy Spirit giving them the inspiration was clearly telling, hey, here's what you need to believe. Here's what truth is. Here's the understanding that you must have if you're going to accomplish all that God has called you to accomplish. This is where you must stand. And then towards the end of the New Testament, the picture and the beauty of God's ultimate plan, and that is eternity with Him. And today we move into the book of Romans. And Paul wrote this letter. And he wrote it to the church at Rome to introduce himself to them, even though they kind of knew a little bit about him, but he'd not yet been there. And so he wrote this letter in 56 AD while he was in Corinth in a place that, again, was was far from God. And he's there in Corinth, and he writes this letter to the church at Rome, and then he, he sends them this message so that they would understand who he is and what his purpose is, what his plan is, what his passion was, and to make sure they understood the righteousness and the grace of God. And aren't you glad that he wrote it? Aren't you glad that he did? And here's why. Because this book has been a transformational book in all of the history of mankind. In fact, you go back about 500 years to this guy named Martin Luther who was heavily involved in the Roman Catholic Church. And and Martin Luther, one day, he happened to read through the book of Romans. And all of a sudden, God spoke to him. And that idea of grace through faith in Christ Jesus, a light bulb went off and it transformed his life. And of course, brought about the Protestant Reformation. You fast forward about another 200 years in 1738. And there was this discouraged missionary who was at the point where he was about to quit, about to throw in the towel. He like he was done with this stuff because he didn't see the, the impact that he was trying to make. He didn't see the results that, that he assumed would happen because of his willingness to, to simply go and to do what God had called him to do. And so one night he reluctantly walked into a church service in England. And as he walked into that church service and sat down, probably on the back row, which means it was probably a Baptist church, sitting on the back row, hanging out back there, like, like didn't want to be there, like was ready to throw in the towel. He's sitting there, and all of a sudden, guess what they spoke on that night? The preacher got up and he began to preach from the book of Romans. And not just from the book of Romans, but he took the writings that were written about 200 years earlier by that guy named Martin Luther, and he read that introduction to the book of Romans that Martin Luther read, that, that he wrote. And, and, and it's that that missionary, that discouraged missionary heard those words, again, a light bulb went off. And that guy, that night, that missionary got saved. Now, hey, don't lose what, miss what I just said. 
that missionary got saved. He was doing the work of God without truly understanding the word of God. He was doing what he felt like he should do for God without knowing God. And so that missionary got saved. And you know what happened once that missionary got saved? Man, that missionary went out and he began preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, preaching grace through faith, preaching that message of the picture of God's word. And you know what happened? A revival broke out there in that city and it spread throughout all of England and the great Wesleyan revival of England broke out because that discouraged missionary was a guy named John Wesley who changed an entire continent. Why? Because Paul wrote a letter to the Romans to say, don't give up, don't quit. The righteousness of God is worth it. The grace of God is real. The gospel is something to stand proudly upon. Don't give up. And so today what I want to do is just spend a little time in the book of Romans. Now let's be honest, let's be fair. There's no way that I could cover the entire book of Romans in about 25 minutes, right? You get that, right? It's a much bigger book. And so today what I want to do is I just want to give you kind of a little bit of a, a taste, a, kind of an appetizer, if you will. It's kind of you went to, a, you know, one of those restaurants, those really expensive restaurants, and you sat down and you wanted to try something really good. And, and so you order it and they bring out a really big plate. And right in the middle of that plate is like this small little morsel of food. And that's supposed to be the meal. And you're like, wait a minute, you know, I, I want to go to Golden Corral. What is this? You know. My hope today is what you'll kind of see, just a little bit of a glimpse of what the book of Romans is all about, what the picture is that you will see why it is so vitally important for all of us to dig into God's word on our own, that no one in this room or no one watching or listening today decides that you need to delegate your responsibility of knowing God's word to me or to some other preacher, that you understand that your responsibility of knowing God's word, it's on you and that's why we challenge you and encourage you to read through God's Word, to study God's Word, to read through every year all of God's Word. And so today what I want to do is talk to you a little bit about this picture of what the letter to the Romans is all about and why it can be so encouraging and so transformational in your lives. And so I just want to start like in Romans chapter 1. I just decided, hey, if we're going to talk about like a little bit of an appetizer of what the book of Romans is all about, let's just start like right in the beginning of the book of Romans and, and right up front, Paul, and writing this letter, which it is a letter, by the way. He didn't sit down and like write a book. He didn't get a, you know, some book deal from a publisher. He wrote a letter and he sent it by Phoebe from Syncria, from Corinth to go across and to, to go to the church at Rome to, to help them to stand strong. And he sends this letter and right up front, he gives us his purpose. In the greeting of the letter, listen to what he says in Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 1. He says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh and was appointed to the powerful Son of God according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead, through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. Now, let me just tell you what that entire passage is, that entire six verses I just read. That is the exact equal that if you were to write a letter today, you would start your letter by writing, Dear Tom, right? If you're going to write a letter, to, I know we don't write letters anymore, we send emails, right? Or text. But if you're going to write a letter, you're going to say, you know, dear Tom, and then you're going to begin to write your letter, right? That dear Tom is the greeting. 
Well, what I just read to you is the greeting of the letter to the Romans. And you read that greeting and you're thinking, wait a minute now, like that's chock full of information. Why in the world did Paul, like right out of the gate, give us all of that stuff? Why is like he was trying to, you know, help them drink from a fire hose and, and just throw out all that stuff right up front? Here's why. Because he wanted to make sure that he introduced the purpose and the plan for this book and his purpose for his calling of, uh, from Christ Jesus and what he was called to do. He wanted them to understand right up front, this is what it's all about. And you know how he did it? He did it by sharing some pretty important statements in that first verse. He started by saying, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Now, understand that word servant, if you look in the King James Version, the word servant's used. You look in the New King James Version, the word bondservant is used. A better translation is actually the word slave. It's the Greek word doulos, and the idea is slave. And I'm telling you, the people there in Rome, they understood the concept of slavery. In that day, there were about 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. And those people, those slaves, those 60 million plus slaves there in the Roman Empire, they were not looked at as people, they were looked at as property. They were looked at as people who literally were were locked in chains to their master, that they did exactly whatever their master said that they were to do. They had no choice on their own, no will on their own. All they could do was what their master told them to do. And Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he knew they would get that. And so he started this letter, this greeting right up front. He's saying, listen, I'm Paul, and I'm a slave. And I'm a slave to Christ Jesus. He's saying, I don't have a choice but to do exactly what my master tells me to do. I don't have any other ideas. I don't have any other agendas. I don't have any other, you know, kind of roundabouts that I want to do in my journey. Listen, I am here as a slave to Christ Jesus, and I can only do what he has called me to do. And he wrote that because the people of Rome understood that when he said, I'm a slave, they figured, hey, this is a guy who does not have any will of his own. He must do what the master tells him to do. But it's interesting because right after that, He says, I'm a slave to Christ Jesus, and then he says, an apostle. That Greek word there is apostolos, which literally they also understood because that was the picture of being an ambassador, like like someone who had been chosen to deliver a very important message, someone who had the the opportunity and the responsibility of taking a message from like from the king or from the the Caesar or from someone in charge and, and to deliver that message to a people and that he was entrusted with that message. And so the two didn't really make sense. He's a slave, but yet also an ambassador. How does that make sense? Paul saying, listen, I am a slave, but I'm also an apostle. I am chosen. I've been sent out to deliver this message. And then he continues. He says, I'm a slave, I'm an ambassador, I'm an apostle, but then also, I have been set apart. The idea here, the Greek word there gives a picture like literally has been reserved for something. Like he has been taken and, and kind of pulled out of the, you know, the, the common population and put over here with a very specific purpose, and this is what you're supposed to do, and this is all that you can do. You are set apart for the work that you have been called to do. And so right out of the gate in verse 1, he says, listen, that's who I am. So that you understand that I am a slave, but I am an ambassador, and I have been set apart to be different from the world, different in the world, and to bring about this work that God has called me to do. So you can say, like now, when the letter arrived in Rome, and they began to read this letter, like right out of the gate, 
before they got to any of the stuff that's found, any of the doctrine that's found, any of the righteousness stuff that is found throughout the book of Romans, the letter of Romans, here's what they knew right up front. This is a guy we need to listen to because this guy is serious. But then understand this. Again, he calls himself a slave. Again, he calls himself an apostle. Again, he calls himself set apart. But then look what he says down in verse 6. And he says, oh, and also including you who are also called by Christ Jesus. You see, in the greeting to this letter, Paul made it very clear. I have no choice but to do what my master tells me to do. And what he has told me to do is he has sent me to bring a very important message. And he sent me to bring this very important message by being different, by being separate, by being consecrated from this world, to be different from the world so that I can be a light in the midst of darkness and that I can bring this message. My purpose is to bring this message. Oh, and by the way, that's your job too. Now, you see why that's so important that we understand the greeting, what Paul wrote here? Because what he's telling us, what he was telling them, what he's telling you is that our responsibility is to be a slave to Christ Jesus. To understand that we, in our mission for God, and our walking with God, and our calling from God, that we must understand that we can't have our own agendas, we can't have our own ideas and our own designs, that we must simply do what God has called us to do. And what God has called us to do is to bring about a message that He has sent. And that message that He has sent must be carried by vessels, by individuals, ambassadors who are set apart, that we are different from the world so that the world will listen to us and see something different. That's what Paul's purpose was. And so as Paul, in this beginning greeting of this letter, laid out what his purpose was, he then moved on to his passion. He began to explain the passion that he had for his ministry and what it was that he was supposed to do and what it was that he was supposed to, to, to deliver and, and what he was supposed to do and, and how he was supposed to do it being set apart. And so Paul's passion was explained in verses 16 and 17. And it says this in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. These two verses are what got a hold of Martin Luther, talking about faith. The righteous will live by faith, from faith to faith, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what Paul is saying, listen, I'm a slave, and I'm an apostle, I'm an ambassador, I've been set apart, and here's what I've been set apart for, to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And man, I'm going to tell you, if that message alone, if that one message would become prevalent in the churches of our culture of 2021 and every nation around the globe, here's what would happen. We would have revival. But the problem is, is we're ashamed. We're worried about what people might say. We're worried about what people might do to us. We're worried about the consequence of us remaining faithful. And so while we would never say, I'm ashamed of the gospel, in essence, that's exactly what we say when we are not willing to share it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is what Paul said. And he said that to a people who were part of a church in what was at that time the most important city on the face of the earth, Rome. He says, guys, don't be ashamed. Man, don't quit. Don't give in. Don't let the culture attack you. 
Don't worry about what they might say. Listen, I'm just telling you, like, we all see it, right? This world's messed up. I mean, you get that. We, we understand that. We don't need to go into it. This world has gone mad. It has gone nuts. It is just absolutely off the rails, off the chart, insane, right? Everybody agree with me on that? Here's what I believe firmly. I believe that if every follower of Christ in every church on the face of the earth, if we would stand up and say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I am a slave to the master of carrying that message as an apostle, as an ambassador to the world, and I know that I have been set apart from the world rather than trying to be like the world, here's what I believe if we would not be ashamed. I believe that we would see this world change in an instant. I believe we'd see it in an instant. So listen, when you sit back and you look at this world and you lament what it looks like and you are worried because it's so messed up and you talk about how bad things are, understand this, it's not the world's fault. They are messed up and they're supposed to be messed up. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. The reason the world is messed up is not because the world is messed up. The reason the world is messed up is because the church is ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's time for us to change. And so Paul, in this, this letter that he writes, like, man, don't be ashamed. The passion that, that you've got to have is for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then here's what he goes on to say, and the reason why we must have that passion is because he begins to explain the desperation of the world. Look what he says in Romans chapter 1, verse 28. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they do what is not right. Now listen to these words. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, greed, and wickedness. They are full of envy and murder and quarrels and deceit and malice. They are gossip, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, unworthy, um, unloving, and unmerciful. Although they know God's just sentence that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. What Paul says is, listen, the world is so addicted to sin that not only do they do the sins, they applaud those, they celebrate those who are living in sin. And they're saying, listen, hey man, we're all working to the same place, and just be who you are, and it's all good. Just do whatever you want, live however you want. Man, we just need to be respectful of everybody else's opinions, respectful of everybody else's decisions, respectful of their lifestyle, whatever, whatever they do, whatever they, man, it's okay. We need to be inclusive. We need to wrap our arms around the world, and just to, like, whatever you want to be, it's fine, unless they're a Christian. If you're a Christian, then, oh man. You, those people you need to stay away from. And so Paul says, listen, man, they do all of this stuff. But when I read through that list last night again, again this morning, I was reading through it and thinking, man, not only is that a picture of the world, that's kind of a picture of the church. I mean, read through this statement again. They're filled with all kinds of unrighteousness and evil and greed and wickedness. They're full of envy and murder and quarrels and deceit and malice. They're gossips and slanders and God-haters, maybe that one not so much, arrogant and proud and boastful, inventors of evil and disobedient to parents and senseless and untrustworthy and unloving and unmerciful. And I'm sitting there reading that passage and I'm thinking, like, my goodness, that's a picture of a lot of people in the church. So Paul's writing this stuff saying, guys, man, the world is so messed up. And not only are they so messed up that they actually have fallen into the idea of not only doing those things, but celebrating those who do those things. 
So he talks about the desperation of the world, but here's what I love about God's Word. Everywhere in God's Word where hopelessness is found, immediately following you find hope. Because then Paul begins to explain the love of God. And here's what he explains in Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. God's just desert, like what we deserve. We deserve to die, separation from God. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Don't you love that? Man, you're a sinner and you're evil and you're bad and you're messed up and you're running down the wrong road and you deserve to die. You deserve separation from God. You don't, are not worthy one bit of the goodness of God and the grace of God. Not at all. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Grace we don't deserve. Through faith, believing in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's where salvation is found. So it doesn't matter who you are and what you've done. Believing in Jesus changes everything. Aren't you grateful for that truth? Aren't you grateful? Because here's what I know. As I read through that list, I recognized a lot of things in that list that look a lot like me sometimes. There's a lot of things in that list that I read a few moments ago that that kind of are a description of who I am. And man, I try to hide it. I do my best to hide it. Man, I keep it, I keep it hidden. I, I keep it away from people. I don't want people to know, like, my sin. I don't want people to know my wickedness. I don't want people to know, you know, how bad I am as a human being. Like, you know, I'm your pastor, but you know I'm a sinner, right? How many of you know that I'm a sinner? Raise your hand. Yeah, I'm a sinner. Now, how many up on this stage know that all of you are sinners? Right? I mean, we're all sinners, right? We're all messed up. We're all heading for this this moment of, of desperation and desolation because that's what we deserve. We deserve to die separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Guys, I don't know about you, but when you read that kind of message coming from the Holy Spirit of God, It doesn't matter if you're a Martin Luther or if you're a John Wesley, if you're a Jonathan Falwell, if you're a Rob Eagle, if you're an Austin Schubert, if you're a Cindy or a Tom or a Billy. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. And by the way, you've been bad. It doesn't matter how awful you are. And by the way, you've been awful. God loves you anyway. And God loves you so much that the righteousness of God overcomes everything that you've ever done. And as Paul writes in this letter, which at the time, it didn't have chapters and numbers, but now we apply chapters and numbers to it, as he wrote in Romans chapter 10, that all we must do is believe, to believe with our hearts and confess with our lips that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he was raised from the dead, and anyone who calls on his name will be saved. I don't know about you, But that changed my life. And I pray that it changes yours. Whether you're a Christian or not, I pray that it changes yours. Because you know the gospel can change your life even after you're a Christian, right? Because what we do is we fall back into our old ways, you know? I pray that it changes yours. Let's pray. Father, today we thank you for your word and we thank you for the challenge that it gives to us. 
God, I know as we sit in this room, every one of us, everyone watching, listening today, we're we're all messed up. We get it. We've blown it time and time again. We understand that. And in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our wickedness, in the midst of our, you know, whatever it is, all the issues, all the problems, to think that you still love us while it doesn't make sense, we are so grateful. And God, I pray right now in this moment, the people gathered in this room, I know there are some people in this room that are young and there are some that are old. There are some that are just beginning their lives and there are some that are closing to the end. But God, I pray that regardless of where we are in the midst of that, Father, I pray that we will understand the truth of the gospel, that we would not be ashamed. And if there's someone here today that has never believed that you sent your son Jesus, that he died on the cross, that he rose again, I pray right now in this moment, that's the decision they'll make, that they'll just simply say, yes, I believe. I pray that you will change our hearts, God, for those who are Christians, but man, they've been ashamed. Maybe they don't even know they've been ashamed, but but what we've talked about today, again, through your word revealing to us our our shortcomings, God, that, that maybe they've realized today, oh yeah, I've been ashamed. Maybe today you'll call some of us in this room to stop being ashamed and to declare as Paul did, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you'll do that right now. With our heads bowed and with our eyes closed, our team is gathering here at the front and the altar in a moment will be open. We're gonna sing together, we're gonna stand together. We're gonna sing just simply a song that says, Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. And as we sing these words, just recognize like, like your, your position that we don't deserve the grace of God, that we are all sinners. As Romans chapter 3 says, that that tells us we fall way short of the glory of God. We don't deserve it. But for some reason, and I still don't know why, God still gave His Son Jesus for us. And so as we together stand and sing these words, I, I just ask you that if God is calling you to make a decision right now to believe in Jesus, if you've never done that, I want to ask you to come down to this altar and talk with one of our team members. Let us Let us talk to you about that. Maybe you're here, you want to come and kneel here and just say, God, I've been ashamed. I didn't even know that I was ashamed, but God, I've been ashamed. I want to change that right now. I want to be an ambassador for you, a slave to you, my master. Maybe, maybe you want to come down here and pray for a family member, come for baptism, come to join our family here at Thomas, or whatever it is, whatever you feel like God is leading you to to come down here to do. I, I just pray that you'll make that decision. So let's stand. Let's sing. Michael's going to lead us. The altar's open. And I encourage you, step out right now. I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, my form apart, you're the one. with me. Sing, Lord, I
Michael, sing it one more time. I think there's someone out here who's like holding on tight, whether literally or figuratively, to the seat in front of you. You're making the decision, like, I I don't want to go down there. What will people think? (laughs) Remember, I'm not ashamed. Worried about what God's calling you to do. And some of you young people, maybe God's calling you to ministry, calling you to be like Paul, to go out and to take that message to the world, to be a missionary or a preacher, a worship pastor, a youth pastor. God's calling you to do something big, and you're like, man, I'm afraid, I'm scared, I can't do it. So you're holding on. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God to salvation. It is our only hope, period. And so let's sing it through one more time. And if that's you, I I just encourage you, step out right now. today we don't deserve your grace we don't deserve your love we certainly don't deserve the gift that Jesus gave to us when he died on the cross we don't deserve fellowship with you when he rose again but God we're just so grateful that you gave it anyway so God I pray right now for every person kneeling here and praying whatever it is that they're praying about God Lord encourage them today Lord, let them know that they are highly favored by you, that you love them with an everlasting love. God, I pray for every person in this room, God, that you would help us to walk out of here with our heads held high, that we are not ashamed that we are slaves, that we are not ashamed that we are your ambassadors, that we are not ashamed that we have been set apart, that we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we will take the message to the world. And God, we pray selfishly maybe, let another revival begin. Let it begin in us and help it to spread to the nations. Because God, we desire, we pray for the world to see that Lord, we need you. Oh, we need you. Every hour, we need you. You're our only defense. You're the only righteousness. 
God, we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The altar remains open. Man, I encourage you to come on down. Our team is here. God bless you. As you leave today, do not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I want to thank you for joining us today. If you've never come to the place of recognition of being a sinner and needing a Savior, you can do so right now. Believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again to give you eternal life, just ask Him to save you today. If you would like to talk further about that and what God has done in the giving of His Son, Jesus, we'd love to chat with you. I would encourage you to email us at the address listed on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you and help you begin this brand new journey with Jesus Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with this amazing message of God's love.